So welcome, Moira, to the Tilted Coaching Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Um, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself first before we go into talking a little bit about what you'd like to, us to talk about today. So could you give the audience a sense of who you are and kind of where you're coming from in terms of this conversation? Thanks, Sheila. So I'm Myra Khan. I work as a counsellor, a supervisor, a therapeutic coach, and I also deliver a lot of kind of workshops and trainings, both in um, training up counsellors, but also doing lots of independent um, workshops and trainings as well to the general public and also to external counselling students as well. Brilliant. And can you just clarify where you're based yeah, so I'm based in Leicester. I should also add that I missed out in my introduction is that I'm also the founder of the Muslim Counselor and Psychotherapist Network. So I run that alongside my clinical practice. Brilliant. So you, you're based in Leicester. Leicester. Yes, Leicester. Sorry, this is the dyslexia already. And you're, you work online as well. Yeah, I, I, I do lots of face-to-face and online work. It's a blend of both for me, yeah. Excellent. Okay, thank you. So what would you like us to talk about today what is the I know we had a little bit of a talk that started to kind of bubble up so we said we'd jump on what's the topic that's kind of coming to mind today yeah it goes back to yeah just as we were chatting before we before we started the podcast today in asking you the question actually Sheila what was it that brought you to inviting me and you were talking about, well, it was about my experience and my identity um, of being a visible Muslim woman because I wear the hijab, the headscarf. But then also my, my work and my interest in issues around identity, representation and, and intersectionality. And, and, and a kind of penny dropping moment for me in that was like, oh, that's what we can talk about, which is just in your answer alone, it made me think that in your answer, you're embodying an aspect of intersectionality and how you view me, which is not this binary kind of fixed position of Myra talks about intersectionality, so let's talk about intersectionality. There's something around you going, no, hold on a minute. What we can hold in this space is our very complex and multifaceted identity Mm -hmm. Um, as being a woman, being Muslim, being visibly Muslim and wearing the headscarf in being of a certain age, um, certain ethnicity, um, having the um, being the profession professional that I am and the practice that I do. So there was something. So I just thought, oh gosh, that that that's it right there for me. Um, that we can hold in mind somebody else and their identity being more than just one aspect of who they are. They're not just the snapshot in that moment of the reason I'm connecting with you today is oh because you talk about intersectionality. It's like you're seeing more of my identity than maybe the hook that brought us into this conversation. Oh, that's really interesting because it's 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 making me think about how uh, a friend of mine said. So um, she's a black woman. She's very proud of of her identity, and one of the things that she she said is that doesn't make me an expert on diversity just because I know my lived experience. So I'd like to be invited to to workshops and to training and to speaking about all the things I'm an expert in not simply because you you presume presume this one area of expertise because I have a relationship with it and actually that that's what's kind of coming to mind is how we can pigeonhole even in the area of diversity and and, um, intersectionality we can actually pigeonhole that that belongs to that person and this belongs to that person 
Yeah. Yes. Just because of aspects of your of my identity, your identity, or anyone's identity is 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 at the forefront and, and is external and therefore very visible. So, so being female and, and being Muslim then are two, and, and also being of East African Asian um, heritage, there's something around that might be at the forefront of my identity when people first meet me, and therefore somehow then even in my own profession, somehow then those aspects of my identity become apparently what I'm an expert on or equally the only things that I would be interested in or can speak on. And I'm going, no, hold on a minute. There's there's many, many, many more things that I'm interested in and want to explore and and work with as a practitioner that that, that are complementary to or can sit alongside those aspects of my identity as well. Um, for example, yeah, I do a lot of I do a lot of training around absolutely working cross-culturally, working with Muslim clients, intersectionality, diversity. I can do that training, but not because of my lived experience of it, but because I've gone away and researched it and it's what I work with clinically. But that is then not mutually exclusive to me then perhaps delivering a workshop on self-care, which I do do as well. I, I do a lot of therapeutic coaching around well-being and self-care and talking about gratitude journals, for example, or doing vision boards. And, it, and it's this idea that because there are these kind of stronger, more visible aspects of our identity, that they then become the things that we can only mm. talk about. And, mm. I, and I'm kind of really pushing back against that and going, no, 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 there's much more to what I do and my interests and, and I think that goes for everybody who then has that lived experience of being pigeonholed in that way. I think it's really important that we shout about and champion and campaign for and really promote all the other work that we do that may not be tied up with our identity. Mm. And it, it's raising the question around, you know, I see a lot of um, different groups, some of which I'm, I'm, I'd be a member of, where we where that part of the identity becomes what's nourished and fed. So whatever we present as, whether it's a woman or sexuality or, or, or religious orientation, that we, that that becomes kind of the, the forefront identity that we're encouraged to present first of all. So to, 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 when we represent ourselves, to represent ourselves with the, with the identity tags. Um, and, and there can be a bit of a, a challenge around how do we own an identity that maybe we rejected or or is challenging in society how do we own it and and really honor it and also be the rest of who we are as equally valid do you ever see that that coming up in your in your work or in your life yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah there's something about there's more to me than just dot 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 you know just those visible aspects of my identity so there's something about Yes, it's, it's about how do, how do we each individually then embody and embrace our own fullness and potential rather than only, as you're just saying, yeah, only ever then investing in and nurturing the parts of us that seem to be more easily identifiable or accepted by other people. Mm. And, and so for me, there's something around it's almost a bit like taking a step back and going, actually, who am I? Is it the very, that's a very open question, but I mean that in a more inclusive way. Who am I in every aspect of, of my identity and lived experience and interests and values and ethics and morals and 
passions and hobbies and interests. It's about how do I allow myself to accept that for me first? Mm. Because I think and the more that we then embody that, the more then it's a bit of a feedback loop, the more we can embody and embrace our own inclusivity of our identity, the more we then live it and the more we then reflect it and, and portray it and, and share it with the world, and then more people get to see those sides of us. Mm. So, so, so yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. A really important question on that. So there are the there are the visible identities that that we can't hide once we choose to ex, you know express them. Whether there's some things like race is is very hard to to hide, or, um, um, ethnicity is often difficult to hide. So there are some things that are, are decided for us, and then there are parts of ourselves that are less visible. Um, for lots of reasons, um, whether it's how we were socialized, whether it's just inherently you can't like necessarily see that part of my identity coming around with me. Um, and I'm curious about what your thoughts are around what we share and what we don't share and maybe why we do and maybe why we don't. H- have you have you kind of journeyed that in either personally and professionally? Yeah, I, I... Well, it's interesting you talk about personally and professionally, because I think that's the boundary for me, which which then actually, yeah, it's not always about, so there's two thoughts I'm having, two parallel thoughts that I'm having with this. On the one hand, there is, um, that there's a difference between aspects of our identity that we choose to share, but also how do we accept and recognize and process there are aspects of our identity that we don't have the choice of whether we share them or not because they're visible I can't I can't choose to hide my gender or my ethnicity race or all my faith um they, they are there they're visible so, but there are absolutely there are other aspects of my identity that um I can then choose to share or hide so there's a boundary there between um automatically what, what is um by default is shared um through no choice then what I can choose to share and then I think then off the back of that idea of what can I choose to share about me because it's not visible it's not defaultly shown out of everything that I can then choose to share about me the boundary that there then becomes a boundary within that of in everything that is about me that is not visible, it's a hidden aspects of my identity. What then passes the doorway or the gateway mm. to what do I then choose perfe- um, p- um, publicly? And then what do I keep hidden? And I think it's contextual, like you said, it's, it's, it's am I in a personal setting, in my private life, or am I in a professional setting? And certainly on my social media, because it is a professional platform for me, it's that, that's a boundary. Mm. You know, that's something that I think about that actually what do I out of everything that's hidden about me what do I then choose to share mm. based on me being a practitioner and what is ethical and what is containing and and also intentional I'm very much about what's the intention behind what I do mm. that's that might be then a very different process to what do I choose to share about myself personally in, in my personal life, because that, that then is about the relationships I have with the people in my life. Mm. So I think there's something about boundaries in all of this, really. Like I said, because when it comes to visible identity, 
we don't have a choice. So there is no boundary. There's no gateway that it passes through. We don't get to choose whether I choose to share my gender with the world today or not. It just is. Mm. But I think what we do have is a huge amount of autonomy and choice around all the hidden aspects of our identity. Mm. And, and, whether, and what, what do we, as of all of that, what do we choose to share and where and with who? That's really interesting. And I, and I think that your point about social media has raised a real challenge for those of us who work um, with people in, in their processes. Um, and, you know, historically, a, a lot of a lot of the psychologies that we're, we're working from would have been this kind of balcony view, seeing that seeing that the professional is untouched by the process and um, as, as like the blank slate notion, whereas now we, we know through lots of really good research that actually the relationship between the, 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 the professional and the person and across settings is fundamental in um, what's considered a successful interaction or relationship um, or not. But there, there's a piece around when we share um, on, on social media. And it, it's interesting that you bring up the, 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 the personal piece, because I remember in my leading up to my wedding, I was sharing because I, I believe in, in um, demystifying this notion that the person you sit across from, although they don't tell you about themselves necessarily, that they're somehow more fixed <laughs> or more together than, 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 than you are. Um, and, and it's been role modeled to me, thankfully, by, um, by really good um, supervisors and therapists and coaches, actually that balance. And I remember somebody asking me, who did she marry? And I remember I had friends being asked, who did she marry? Because one of my boundaries would be actually not to disclose my partner's life. And it's and, and they they don't do it themselves. So so it's really clear that that their life and is theirs. And, and it, it's not for me to use as part of my journey of my kind of ethos around being a being human and, mm -hmm. and flawed in the process. And, and I remember grappling with that because some people felt they had a right to access more information. Some people felt unanswered. <laughs> um, and then other people, it wasn't relevant to, because they were like, oh, that's where she's in this process, yeah. which mm -hmm. is part of, of sharing. So, so I think that, that it raised for me that personal and professional boundary piece in social media and how much I wanted people to know. Yes. Um, and especially because there were clients I had that would be challenged by some of my identities and it, it, some parts of my identity, not identities, hopefully, and just parts of it that that could actually impact the therapeutic relationship. And yet it, it, it wasn't um, it, it wasn't it would impact by by the presentation of the identity as opposed to in a benefit to the to the client. So it raised a lot of questions for me around how we are practicing in a different age now compared to before social media. Um, before any online work we're practicing in an age where we're more accessible and so we do need to think about what we're presenting so so I really love that kind of link about those two pieces and in terms of the why I, I think that's an interesting one obviously there's a different why personally and professionally to what we share would you talk to me a little bit about what informs your whys and um, it just as a general sense of when when it feels important to share something and, and maybe when it doesn't in either setting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I suppose that why goes back to that, the intention. It's, it's what's the intention around sharing something? Because it's, for me anyway, social media is not just a stream of my consciousness. You know, it's, 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 it's not just a stream of my thoughts. Um, it's, it's about being reflective in Going back to my why, it is about 
what is it? Well, what is it that I want to be sharing? And also, what is the impact I want it to have? Or, or very often it's about how is this helpful to people? How is this supportive? How is this going to do good mm. in the world? You know, there's something around when you tweet out something or put it on Instagram or any other social media platform, it's about you're putting something out into the world. Mm. And for me, it's all, it always goes back to how is this helpful? How is this beneficial? Mm. How is this going to make an impact and a difference in a good way? And I'm thinking then of the audience in terms of, as you're saying, that well, maybe clients or potential clients or anyone thinking about going for counselling, not, not just with me, but thinking about therapy, as well as the practitioners as well. And anybody that's interested in the ther- in, in therapy, counselling, or in the profession itself, or um, mental health. So, so for me, there is something around, is what I'm doing supportive? Is it serving? I suppose, yeah, the why is, yeah. is, is it of service? Oh, I love that. Is it of service? And and, and I suppose to who? So, so, you know, is it of service to me and my ego, me and my, my sense of whatever is, is happening? Or is it in, what's it in service to who's it in service to? Like we would in, in our own work, you know, yes. it's constantly who's this in service to. That's yeah. I think that's a really beautiful point. And especially, um, and, and I'm, I'm saying professionals and practitioners, because I, I kind of group psychologists, therapists and coaches into a, a similar bracket when, when I think about, you know, our relationships with clients. While we may have different processes, there is something around how, how we build our presence and our relationships to be impactful. Um, but I think that's really helpful for for others to think about in terms of the why and the impact it's having on on the world. I like the idea that it's not just that it gets lost in Twitter. It's like the way you've said it, it's very intentional. And I really like that. It's actually I'm putting this into the world. So what am I putting into the world? Yeah. Um, and I think that I, I actually think that's an absolutely beautiful point um, for us to close on and maybe leave listeners with to consider is what am I adding? What am I putting out there? Um, instead of what do I want to put out there, what am I actually putting out there? What's the impact? I think that's really interesting. That's a really beautiful thought to finish on, being of service and what am I putting into the world? So thank you. I'm going to be cheeky and ask you while we're still recording if I can have you back for additional conversations. Absolutely. I would love that, Sheila. Thank you so much. I think there is so much more we could talk about that's it and, and and I don't want to cut it too short but I also I we could do a whole week seminar on these topics just just because the depth and the breadth of them um but I think that it, we're leaving listeners with a thought and I think it's a good thought as well for social media so there's two thoughts that I that I, I'm left with one is identity and how we may pigeonhole ourselves or others into identity and then the other part is how we interact with the relationship we have with the world. So whether it's through our social media or, or interacting with clients or even just friends, what am I putting out there? What am I adding? As well as to ourselves, let's not forget the relationship we have with ourselves. So it, it absolutely, that, that kind of underlines everything we do in terms of, am I being intentional? And am I being of service to myself, to others, to the world? Am I leaving myself or the world or other people in a better place than I left it? Am I adding to it? Am I, am I 
adding benefit to the world or to me or to others. Oh, I love that. That will be the closing word. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And I will be inviting you back. Thank you. Thanks, Sheila.